Hello! Welcome to Tay to Z, where we chat about every Taylor Swift song in alphabetical order. I'm Devin. And I'm Gab, and we will be your hosts on this journey. In our last episode, we talked about Nobody, No Crime from Evermore. Mm, so good. And we still have not gone to Olive Garden, but we have found out that a lot of our listeners love Olive Garden, so <laughs> we're probably going to try it out sometime soon. I might have to go without Devin, You so. might have to. Yeah. But I definitely am planning to go. Get those bottomless breadsticks. Yeah. But today, we are discussing the song Nothing New, featuring Phoebe Bridgers from Red Taylor's version from The Vault. <laughs> it's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. <laughs> Nothing New is the 23rd track on Red Taylor's version. <laughs> 23rd track. It's such a long album. So long. <laughs> Red was originally released on October 22nd, 2012. Taylor's version was released on November 12th, 2021. This song was solely written by Taylor. Our girl. Our girl. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing new has yet to be played live, of course, but cannot wait. Oh, so good. For a it's live version so of this. So good. I would love, you know, if she's on tour in one city, Phoebe just shows up and yeah. does this with her. Ugh. That would be amazing. Ugh. I mean, like, New York seems like. Pretty, a place to be. Pretty likely possible. So, Devin, yeah. what do you think about Nothing New? This song is really good. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. I love the simplicity of the production, so that the lyrics are what really stand out. Mm-hmm. Taylor has such a great way of doing that in a lot of her songs, where she wants the lyric to be the star of the song, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of her less produced songs typically have more poetic and poignant lyrics Interesting. i think yeah. yeah obviously that is not the case always not a blanket statement but not yeah. a blanket statement but there are a lot where she where she really focuses in on the lyrics i think that like new year's day is like one mm-hmm. of those and this is basically just guitar you know throughout the first verse some piano comes in a couple of other guitars there's a little bit of fill but there's really not a lot that pulls away from the voice and the harmonies mm-hmm. Which is is really nice. I mean, she sounds just like so good on this track. And Phoebe and her, their voices mesh really, really well. Mm -hmm. And they um, complement each other really well. Yeah. It's pretty cool that Phoebe has an entire verse. We talked about this recently. Like Nobody, No Crime. Literally last week. Where we wished that Haim had had a little bit more to do. You know, Danielle maybe singing a verse or SD. But having Phoebe's voice throughout that whole second verse is really interesting Mm -hmm. to hear a different perspective from Taylor on a Taylor song. I'm really interested to hear Gossip Gab and like what that means, you know, if if for Taylor to have someone else sing a full verse on her song. Mm -hmm. Uh, A a woman, especially because, I mean, Ed and Gary Lightbody, as we said last week, uh, have already had their verses Mm -hmm. and everything. I love the opposition of this song to 22. Mm -hmm. The two sides of growing up, basically. 22 is this vibrant pop anthem with all of this positivity Mm -hmm. about not knowing what you're doing with your life. You know, we're happy, free, and confused and lonely for the first time. In the best way. In the best way. (laughs) Yeah. And this is like the exact opposite, showing all of the fear of Mm -hmm. not knowing what's happening. And again, it's, it's this, the two sides of the coin of growing and um not necessarily feeling like you have any answers but then the next day you know you're okay with that but Mm -hmm. then another day you might not be okay with that the song i feel you know is is 
about her feeling like she's going to be replaced by a younger, prettier, more talented version of herself. Mm-hmm. I think that that's relatively clear in in the lyric and yeah. in, in the song. Will you still want me when I'm nothing new? What a hard-hitting sentence. Mm-hmm. And it's just so, so simple and so hard to hear, too. Mm-hmm. I love the chorus of this song so much. I love the harmonies. I love the last time through the chorus as well. And I can feel time moving. Mm-hmm. It's such an amazing moment. Instead of, it's like... I can feel time moving Mm. and that extra space with her removing it's like changes it just so slightly and gives it this totally different feel. It's very, very interesting. I really like it. Brilliant song. Really thankful for it. I like this one a lot. Yeah, me too. Gab, what do you think of this one? I love this song. I think it's my favorite out of all of the Vault songs, obviously other than the 10-minute All Too Well. Wow, really? Yeah, I really do. I really just like feel this song on such a deep level. Wow. I think I've talked before about how like sometimes Taylor's most personal songs just like hit me in a different way, mm-hmm. and I think this is in that same vein. I love Phoebe's voice, and I just think that their voices sound incredible harmonizing together, and what you said, they really complement each other. And you can tell, like, they're different enough. You know who's singing what part, which Mm -hmm. I also appreciate. I always don't love when the voices are too similar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that Phoebe sings a verse, and that this is a song that she also can relate to as Mm -hmm. a successful young female artist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that, like, gives it a whole nother layer. The quality of both their voices in this song is really beautiful and just very unique in its simplicity and how well you can hear their voices. Mm -hmm. They feel like they're so close to you. Like, almost like they're whispering their secrets to you. Yeah. Which I just really love. I think just all of the song, the bridge, verses, chorus, are just really strong and blend together so well. Like, it's just a very well crafted song like there's not a part of it i don't like i like the whole song i agree and i think that's really special also this is just such a strong song lyrically and they're just like so many hard-hitting deep-seated emotions throughout the lyrics and it's like taylor took her most vulnerable feelings about being a female musician in the industry and then put them into this song it's clear this is a deeply personal song and, you know, what's so crazy is that feeling like nothing new was something that she feared and felt at the age of 22, which is still extremely young, yeah. to already be worried about being old news, yeah. you know? And it's really fascinating because Red was the album where she started to go more towards pop, like mm-hmm. first collaborating with um, Max Martin and Shellback. And, like, this fear was possibly part of that driving force to reinvent herself, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's creatively also what she wanted to do, but the knowing that she had this fear at that time mm-hmm. really makes you see a lot of her career with a different lens as well. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of feel like this song was left off of Red originally because maybe it felt like too raw for Taylor yeah. at that time. Like, this is very, very vulnerable. Yes. And I think hopefully perspective lessened this fear of hers over the years. Mm. You know, I'm sure that there's still part of her that does feel this way. And I'm going to mention later in Gossip Gab how she framed this idea in the Miss Americana documentary. Mm-hmm. I feel like... Going through this process of re-records and taking ownership, also like revealing so much more to us 
And I feel like some of those, like, they're, these diary entry type songs have been kind of throughout her career. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of, like, the more, like, really vulnerable stuff kind of started in, like, Reputation. Mm. I don't know. I guess it was always there throughout. But as she got older, the fears became, like, deeper, if that mm. makes sense, maybe. Mm-hmm. What do you think for why it was left off the original album? I think it probably had a lot to do with, with Scott Borchetta. Yeah. And him needing, or him deciding what would work on the album. I think yeah. that Red was already a long album. Yes, right? that's true. And so, as we see, you know, with 25 songs, 26 songs on Red Taylor's version, like, like she had a lot of material in this era. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I think that Scott probably heard this song and 22 and liked the 22 side of things a bit Mm -hmm. more for this album, especially because there's a lot of ballads on this album to begin with. Yeah. So shifting her towards pop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like, like I said, like 22 is this is the opposite of Mm -hmm. this. So she had all these feelings, but she had those feelings too. And so I'm sure that they were probably like, you know, probably people want to hear this side of, of that's so interesting. So true. Yeah. But now she doesn't have those constraints. Yeah. Obviously. And this is a song that is incredibly poignant and personal and really big in the moment, too, because of what she's been going through. This Nothing New was pre-Taylor Swift is Over Party. Way so, pre, yeah. Right? So, like, there, that hadn't even occurred yet, and, and she was feeling these things. Yeah. So... It's it's really interesting that this song only got to us now, but it was written in the time and mindset of the of the red era to know that that's what she was going through even then when yeah. she was like just starting to explode. Exactly. Yeah. And, and yet she still felt all of these insecurities. Yeah. And I think it's really cool to, like, how you framed it with 22, which didn't even cross my mind until you said it, is to know that, like, we as people can contain both sides. Yes. And that we're all constantly this mix of, like, confidence and insecurities, you know, happiness and, like, where mm-hmm. we, all of it is contained in us, yeah. you know? And I think it's it's really cool framing it and seeing the songs in that way and from yeah. the age that she was at that time. Yeah. yeah I think also... Obviously, she was so young when she started, mm-hmm. and to know that that was her path, right? And and that maybe when she started reaching this age, 22, 23, and that was the age of some of her role models when she started, mm-hmm. you know, 20s, you know, Shania Twain and um, Faith Hill and everything, like, like, maybe she was feeling, oh, wait a minute. If, if there was somebody like me who came along, there might be someone like me again. Uh-huh. Like those, totally. Those... I'm sure there was. You know? Too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. It's just so crazy feeling like old news at age 22. I know. I mean, like, oh, poor baby Taylor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, she was going to reinvent the wheel no matter what, I think. Yeah, because she's so creative. Yeah, I think that yeah. she was driven, she was going to be driven to change, mm-hmm. even if, like, you know, there wasn't another tailor that yeah. popped up or what have you, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, because, like, I think she is driven by her creativity yeah. and also, um, like, enjoys that aspect, too. Absolutely. Yeah, and also in that same, like, kind of vein, like, we kind of have already mentioned it, but this fear from 2012 and then releasing it 10 years later and having 
another young female artist sing on the song also shows so much growth, too. Mm-hmm. You know, that she's having Phoebe sing on the song. She's not, like, threatened by her. Right. You know, she's like, this is an artist whose music I love and I want on this song. And yeah. also just, like, that idea of, like, working with each other, building each other up, like, helps everyone, helps mm-hmm. both of you. Yeah. Which... You know, I'm sure she's, like, learned a lot over the years, but it's always, like, hard as you're growing up to understand and see that, too. Right. Yeah. There's more power in coming together than trying to tear each other down. Yeah. Or being competitive. Or being competitive, for sure. Yeah. So, Devin, Mm -hmm. do you relate to nothing new? Yeah. I mean, I still feel like there are a lot of places in my life where I don't know anything. (laughs) Yeah. Like, forget 22. I'm 31, and I, you know... I feel like there are so many parts of my life that what's going on, you know, (laughs) and it's crazy because my 20s were really like that. I mean, there were just so many what ifs and things up in the air. And and we've talked about this before on here of me, you know, subletting and going from place to place and with my theater and everything. And I mean, in the past two years, a lot has been grounded and solidified in my life. Hmm. But there's still aspects of it that I'm like, I don't know. You know, I got a new job. I don't know. There's there's so many crazy things going on in the world. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I also think that there were a lot of times in my theater career where I was passed over for younger, more athletic dancers, especially. Mm-hmm. In, in the theater world, for those who don't know, there's equity actors who are the... Prof- that is the professional union for actors and then the other side of the coin is non-equity and those are the non-professional they're not part of the union however they are still in shows and very much important parts of a lot of regional theater and i was non equity when I started and I had to climb up the ranks and and finally get my card but with a lot of theaters the distribution of non-ec to equity it depends on how much money a theater has usually. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I would just get passed over for a non-ec member because I was equity and too expensive, but also looked like a kid. Mm-hmm. And so they would just go with the younger guys who were not equity. And then I would just not get the job or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I was in this really weird, like limbo for a while. And, and I feel like I still would be if I went back to theater now. But there's always going to be someone younger, there's always going to be someone more handsome, there's always going to be someone taller, there's always going to be somebody who can take your place. That's kind of what theater is. It's just like you keep pushing and trying to, to do what you can do to stay in it. And very well knowing that like, that you can't, you can't do what you did when you were younger Mm. you can't you know there's always going to be somebody to replace you Mm. which is a really crappy thought and feeling yeah and i very much relate to taylor in that sense and i think that that is one of the reasons why i am not enamored with theater at the moment yeah well and i think that you know it makes sense like the idea like of being a performer like you know even if it was in a different industry than taylor it's the same idea of being a performer right there is always the next thing yeah yep there's always a new shiny yeah thing and always people pushing boundaries and going above and beyond Mm -hmm. and um that's just not my cup of tea anymore at the moment anyway 
So who knows? I might, I might go back into it at some point. Yeah. Who knows? I might go back and I might look like I'm my age now. <laughs> and I might get on Broadway after the first audition I have. You never you know. You never know. You never know. You never know. Absolutely. So, Gab, do you relate to this song? I really relate to the lyric. How can a person know everything at 18, but nothing at 22? Mm. The first time I heard it, that lyric like really hit me. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, she gets it. I just remember being 18, you know, being on top of the world, graduating high school, like thinking I just like knew myself and where I was going in life like so well. Like I had it figured out. Yep. And then like, you know, suddenly you're 22, you're out of college and you're, you know, in the real world and like, you know, doing your first real job and you have to pay rent and like buy groceries and there's no dining hall with chicken finger Friday. Yeah. And like you realize like you kind of know nothing at all. You don't have a clue what direction yep. your life's going. It's just so crazy, but it's so real. And it's so cool that like, even though Taylor didn't have the experience that I did where I, you know, went to a high school, for your high school, for your college, like those ages are still like, she still had moments where she felt that way. Yeah. And so I think it's cool that like idea, that universal idea, even though we had such different experiences, it's still that same kind of feeling. Yeah. But yeah, like (laughs) it's so real. And then I always talk about, cause I I turned 23 pretty early into living, like right after graduate, I was always Mm -hmm. old for my year, school year. Yeah. Just like being like, <laughs> like, it's just like the worst year ever. Like, you don't know who you are, and, and you're just anything. desperately trying to figure it out and grasping yeah. at whatever you can. That's really, really interesting, too, thinking about it now in terms of, yeah, when you graduate high school, you think you've got it all figured out. Yeah. And when you graduate college, you have nothing figured out. <laughs> yeah. That's so <laughs> you know? wild. I mean, I don't know if that's true for everyone. Maybe yeah. some people get their dream job out of college. Yeah, maybe. I don't know many people who did. No. <laughs> not, not, no, no one in my Very few. immediate circle got their dream job out of out of college. No. Yeah. Like your early 20s are when <laughs> you literally have no idea what's happening. Yeah. And even like, even 18, like through college, it's like you like, I mean, and not everyone, you know, goes to college, but it's this idea where you're like okay, I'm studying this thing to do this Mm -hmm. job and I'm good at it and everyone in college is giving positive affirmation and I'm going to go out and do it. And then you'd go out and do it and you have that job that's supposed to be your dream job and you hate it and you're like, wow, now what? I studied something for eight years. Yep. That's so real too. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's it's pretty fascinating. You know, and and, yeah, if you do go to college, you have that security blanket mm-hmm. there you know like you're you know that you're going to be there for eight months out of the year you have a place to sleep you have you know it's- yeah and i mean it all still costs money obviously a lot of money it's just different in terms of like oh you're in the real world out yeah. on your own if you don't get a job good luck surviving <laughs> Yeah. And that's also not to say that you can feel like you know nothing at any of those ages in between, too. That's okay, too, yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, like I, like I just said, still, there's a lot I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm only 31. I don't know anything, but I know I miss you, mm. <laughs> Betty. Well, now we get to the segment of... Gossip. In Nothing New... Taylor criticizes the sexism young female pop stars experience in the music industry, as well as reveals her early fears of aging as a woman in the industry. The entire first verse encapsulates this idea perfectly. Mm. 
They tell you while you're young, girls go out and have your fun. Then they hunt and slay the ones who actually do it. Criticize the way you fly when you're soaring through the sky. Shoot you down and then they sigh and say, she looks like she's been through it. Yeah. You know, this is really a criticism of how we as a culture love to build up a celebrity just to take them down. Mm -hmm. Not exclusively, but in a lot of cases, it's targeted towards young women. And, you know, when you're in the public eye, there's like, you can't really do anything right, no matter who you are. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, Taylor's too much of a good girl. Oh, now she dates too much. And then Mm -hmm. there was the slut shaming and stuff. And I think what's important, too, it's not even just Taylor who has felt this. Think about how we as a culture responded to Britney Spears, Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, you know, in the like major tabloid dates of like the mid 2000s. Yeah. And these women were like, gigantic stars like at the height of their fame yeah and you know decisions that happened in their life made the culture turn on them and then take them down basically yeah and it was just like oh she looks like she's been through it like like we build them up we build them up we give them all this like clout and fame based on maybe how they look or whatever and then when something goes wrong it's like wow she's looking rough like Mm -hmm. there's no like support or understanding for any of that it's such an american thing the celebrity i think you know there are other versions of this in other countries but like i don't know like america is so celebrity obsessed yeah it's obviously something taylor felt so deeply but it really can apply to so many Mm -hmm. taylor also explored this idea in her miss americana documentary saying i wish i didn't feel like there's a better version of me out there I feel that way all the time. It's a lot to process because we do exist in a society where women in entertainment are discarded in an elephant graveyard by the time they're 35. Everyone's a shiny new toy for two years. The female artists that I know have reinvented themselves 20 times more than the male artists. We have to or else you're out of a job. Constantly having to reinvent, constantly having to find new facets of yourself that people find to be shiny. Mm. Be new to us. Be young to us. But only in the way that we want. Reinvent yourself, but only in a way that we find to be equally comforting, but also a challenge for you. (laughs) Live out a narrative that we find to be interesting enough to entertain us, but not so crazy that it makes us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. This is probably one of my last opportunities as an artist to grasp onto that kind of success. As I'm reaching 30, I want to work really hard while society is still tolerating me being successful. Jeez. Right? And of course, you know, at the end there, like... Taylor wasn't correct about Lover being one of her last opportunities to have this type of success. She's probably had even more after in the last two years. But it's just such an insight into her, like, biggest career fears. Yeah. And her deepest feelings. And then that that idea of, like, interesting enough to entertain us, but not so crazy it makes us uncomfortable. Like, you can't ever win right. in the way society views you. Right. And so that just idea, like, you know, like, they build you up, but then criticize you and tear you down. Taylor described nothing new as her very first brush with the fear of aging, irrelevance, and replacement. Mm. And she said, and how young women are taught by society that our youth is a rapidly depleting commodity. Mm. In the journals that were released alongside Lover, in an entry from March 2nd, 2012, Taylor explained that nothing new is about being scared of aging and things changing and losing what you have. Mm. Upon revisiting the song for Red Taylor's version, Taylor immediately thought of Phoebe Bridgers. 
She said, Phoebe Bridgers is one of my favorite artists in the world. If she sings it, I will listen to it. I love her voice. I also love that she's a very funny person. I really wanted another female artist who I love to sing it with me because I think it's a very female artist perspective. When Taylor texted Phoebe Bridgers asking her to sing on the song, apparently from Aaron Dessner's phone, Mm -hmm. Phoebe responded, I've been waiting for this text my entire life. Wow. Which is so relatable. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just so cool, too. Like, she's such a Taylor fan. And for her to be the first featured female artist to sing a verse on her own. Like, it's a big deal. Big deal. And I just love that. I've been waiting for this text my entire life. I mean, I feel like that's any and every artist ever yeah to get a text message from taylor asking if they want to collaborate yeah are you kidding me pretty epic (laughs) and then you know i also have to mention the bridge i know someday i'm gonna meet her in a fever dream the kind of radiance you only have at 17 she'll know the way and then she'll say she got the map from me i'll say i'm happy for her then i'll cry myself to sleep You know, we must remember Taylor wrote this song in 2012 and there are probably many young stars that looked up to her over the years and that like could have sprouted this idea or it was just some fictional person, you know? Yeah. But for me, and this isn't connected because she wrote in 2012, but it always makes me think about her friendship with Olivia Rodrigo, mm-hmm. who's been so open about how she grew up as a Swifty and how Taylor is such an inspiration to her songwriting. Mm-hmm. About Taylor, Olivia said, I feel really lucky to be in the industry at such a young age where I get to walk through so many of the doors that she's opened. Wow. I'm really, really lucky to have her as a mentor. Wow. So it's like, like you know, she'll say she got the map from me. I'll say I'm happy for her. And, then, and it's just cool, like, thinking about, like, how this is how she felt in 2012 and understood and knew this. Olivia's a huge star, you know, now. And just thinking about this idea that she reached out to her. She's been a mentor to her. She sent her that uh, red ring mm-hmm. and that, like, was love, the original, her actual original ring, you know. And she's, you know, given her advice. And then Olivia said that, you know, because of what Taylor's doing with her master, she owns her own work. And right. it's really, it's really special and really cool. But it's also, like... That's a deep-seated fear that was in her as well. Yeah. You know, obviously there will be people who will say whatever they will say in the media or think whatever, but just knowing, like, there's room for all of them. And I think that's really important. I also have to mention the amazing TikTok that Taylor posted with this song (gasps) where she posted a picture of herself drunk and, like, had the audio trail off. It was like, I've had too much to drink tonight. And it's oh, like, yeah, yeah, And it goes up and it shows a picture of her when she was drunk in that sparkly dress. Yes. Um, and she captioned it, I cringe, but I miss her. Your turn, Phoebe Bridgers. And then Phoebe posted a response with the same audio, <laughs> and it was a picture of her drunk singing Love Story at karaoke, which is Amazing. Just, so good. I just, yeah, I really love that. <laughs> So funny. That all is really, really interesting. And to think still, like, again, she wrote this song in, in for the Red Era. And these two women, well, Phoebe, and then you mentioned Olivia as well. These two young women who have most likely had these thoughts, too. Mm-hmm. About potentially, am am I going to be, how long is this going to run? How long am I going to be in the in the spotlight? Who's next? Who's going to take my spot? You know? Exactly. And that's a really tough thing to to go about and continue your career and everything knowing that, like, it's not going to be forever. Well, and you're not always going to be the shiny new artist. So, like, right. you can only win Best New Artist once, you know? Right. One album might be a total hit and another album might be a total flop. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. And I think it's like, especially for someone as young as Olivia, like she, and her album was so, so successful and critically successful. Like, I think that there's going to be a lot of pressure on her Mm. for her second album, Mm -hmm. unfairly so. But when you're that successful and you're the shiny brand new star, then that pressure builds, but there will also be another new shiny brand new star, you know? But I think what's really cool is that all of these women also write their own music. Mm -hmm. Just that idea that hopefully whatever they're going through, whatever phase they're in, like, they can put it in terms of music. I honestly didn't think I was going to have this much to say about this song. Yeah. (laughs) And there's a lot here, because it's a lot of feelings. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Devin, Mm -hmm. what's your favorite line in Nothing New? Uh, You said it a a little earlier. Shoot you down, and then they sigh and say she looks like she's been through it. Mm -hmm. I think that that whole first verse is, like, my favorite. Yeah, it's so bad. The dichotomy of the situation, Mm -hmm. you know, and just the utter inability to make anyone happy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're always gonna make someone you know, upset, or they're not going to like you, or you're going to do something that's going to offend one person, and but someone else will totally love it. You know, you can never win mm-hmm. with, with everybody all at once. And obviously, this is a very poetic way to say that. Yeah. That whole first verse is a very amazing, incredible, lyrical way to say that thing. It's yeah, so good. it's so good. It's so good. Gab, what is your favorite line? I love... um Near the end when she says, but I wonder if they'll miss me once they drive me out. Oh. And I think about what, you know, a couple of songs, she's she's explored it in, uh, like, The Lucky One, Tell the, the Legend of How You Disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, it took some time, but I understand it now. And mm-hmm. then also, like, in The Archer, All of My Heroes Die mm-hmm. All Alone. Like, we know these are ideas and thoughts that she thinks about. And, you know, I wonder if they'll miss me once they drive me out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when I'm old news, once they've, like, gotten rid of me. And just, like, that she's thinking this way, too. And, like, I truly believe that Taylor will have a career her whole life, you know? And that, like, yeah. every, like, her fans are so loyal that will be with her every step of the way. But it's also that idea, once they drive me out, like, it could also be, you know, the industry, critics, things like that, too. Yeah. But I think she's going to have such a long career, just the same way as, like, you know, other stars. Yeah, I but agree. it's just, yeah, it's just such a deeply, like, personal line. And, like, that's the thing, too. Like, given the perspective as well. Like, obviously, she wrote this in 2012, but I'm sure there was some tweaking of lyrics and things mm-hmm. before she released it. But just that idea of 2016, like, they did try to drive her out. Yeah. You know? So it's not like she's coming out of nowhere. Yeah. You know? And then you think of, like... Other stars who aren't necessarily, like, creating new music anymore, you know? Like, it's not, like, a misplaced fear. Sure. It's hard to stay in the game. Absolutely. Yeah. And to stay relevant. Yeah. But I also truly don't believe that Taylor will ever fully be driven out. I think that she will remain the music industry forever. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Okay, Devin. Uh Uh-huh. From 1 to 10 on Genoos. Oh, what do you give? Nothing new. Ooh, that's a that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I think I've had too much to drink tonight, and I know it's on. <laughs> <laughs> you have not. <laughs> no. God, ooh, mm, I can't break my own rule. Ugh. I can't. Okay, then just go, you know. I can't break my own rule. It's fine. It's not a top 20 song. That's fine. So it's a nine. 
That's a good. I'm score. gonna give it nine ingenues. <laughs> Everyone should, you know, be aware that like I love this song, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, my rules, my self-imposed rules, have it that only my top twenty can be tens. But here's so, the thing: this yes. this is our place. We make the rules. Yeah. So we can break the rules too. Right, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Nine is a great rating. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. Some things are sacred and and my rule for for, for this podcast is sacred. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Nine Ingenues, it's fantastic. I love it. I want more of this sound from her. I want yeah. more of these songs. I hope that we get a whole bunch of this on Midnight's. Ugh, me too. Like sad, like stripped back, uh, like you know, yeah, like raw emotional songs. Yeah, give me more of of, of folklore and like. I don't know. I don't know what it's gonna be like. You I said hope, you wanted sad bops. Though. I want sad bops. Mm-hmm. I want like bleachers. I want sad bops. Okay. You know, but I think we're gonna get it. I I think that this is gonna be rock and rolly esque. <laughs> rock and rolly esque. Rock and rolly esque. Oh. I think it's going to be very, like, set, you know, like, in, in the classic rock vein. Gab! Maybe we'll do an episode where we do, like, predictions. What we think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gab, from 1 to 10 ingenues, will you give the song? I give nothing new 10 ingenues. What a surprise to no one. Zero people were surprised. Then. I love this song. I love lyrics. I love Taylor personal songs. <laughs> I love Taylor vulnerable songs. It just sits in my, like, heart. Mm. I feel it. I love singing it. I love trying to make my voice sound like Phoebe Bridgers, as you heard in the car. Uh, yep. Especially the way she says, Kit. I love yeah. it so much. It's just a great song. How long will it be, Kit? I'm, like, so glad for them that crying in their rooms was cute for them. Because yeah. everyone, all my family always called me way too emotional when I cried in my room. I mean, still. It was never cute for ne- me. Never cute. I look great when I cry, though. Your Side eye, eyes are really pretty when you when you cry. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I love this song. Ten Ingenues. There we go. Yay. Listen along with us. Check us out on Instagram at Tata Z Podcast and give us all your thoughts. All of them. Do you relate to nothing new? Ooh. Ooh. Do you play Ingenues in your school plays? Oh, okay. Ooh. What do you think of when you hear the bridge? Ooh. Had you heard Phoebe Bridgers before? Oh. Can you recommend some Phoebe Bridgers songs for Devin and I listen to? Yeah. I've had it on my list to like listen to her music for a while. Yeah. I just had too many podcasts to listen to, but that's beside the point. <laughs> we want to hear it all, so please share your thoughts with us. And remember, you can find exclusive bonus content on our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. And thank you. To all our patrons. Yes, thank you so much. We really appreciate you all. Well, next episode, we're moving on to the O's oh, already. That was a fast Holy end. macaroni. Great letter. Great letter. A lot of good, lot of good tunes. Mm-hmm. And O has some very good tunes as well. Boo! Boo! Out, out of the woods. I know, but that's not what we're doing next. No, I know, but that's like a song. That's it's a great song. song. Yeah. Yes, anyway. <laughs> Only the young... From the Miss Americana documentary. Come hang with us. I'm Devin. And I'm Gab. This has been Tay to Z. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>